Hello, this is Maurice Harker. For almost 20 years, we've been building a team of hundreds of clinicians, coaches, mentors, and people just like you who have discovered and love to teach life-changing principles. Our coaches have made a special investment to make sure you can hear these messages. You will hear stories of triumphant healing from specialists and people having a real life just like you. We hope to increase your awareness that you are not alone and there are so many others who are enlisted in this work to train and heal the whole family. You will find these principles are an amazing synergy of the most accurate cutting-edge science with familiar gospel principles. We are passionate eternal warriors and we hope you will join us. All right, we're back. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you're here. I'm here with Maurice Harker, the director of Life Changing Services, the author of the Like Dragons Today Fight book. And he's been so awesome to support this Like Dragons Today Fight podcast. And so today I just said, you know, whenever I'm in a meeting with Maurice or whenever I get to listen to him, I think there he is doing it again coming up with another analogy or idea or something he's working on. And so I said, could you share with us today, Maurice, just something that's on your mind that you've been learning from the work that you do and the spirit that you try to feel while you're doing it. So, yeah. So what's, what's Thank up? you. Thank you for inviting me. I love talking to you and the people who listen to this. First, I want to express my gratitude and that I am impressed if you're listening to this. There are so many things a person can listen to. We try to be of value to you and we will try hard today as again, but you have to take the step of pushing play in order for the, a chance to have it in your mind at all. As I share some thoughts with you today, I encourage all of you to have a prayer in your heart to see ways that this applies to you if it does, and to ponder, review it with God. And it's a common thing for people to have clarifying insight, like, okay, the way he taught it is not exactly the way I needed to hear it, but with a little tweak on it, it now can be very valuable to me for the present and the future. So as we talk today, please keep that in mind. So Karen and I were talking earlier about some positive energies that float around inside of us. And of course, the dark side, Satan is not going to just let a positive energy float around. So he finds ways to distort or twist or whatever. So I use a term called celestial orientation, which is kind of like that energy that's inside of salmon and geese and whales and all these creatures that are drawn to a certain location beyond logic and ain't nobody going to stop them. It appears that we all have a vision, a sense, a craving for healthy and strong human connection. We want to experience healthy love. We want to experience uplifting, edifying, energizing things in harmony with that, or rather what can be in harmony with that is the biological need, craving, desire, whatever, to be touched, to be heard, to be validated, to be relevant. And so we have these two things that can be classified as a thirst or a hunger. And they are powerful in that they get us off our fanny and get us moving. 
I want to impress people. I want to make good things happen. I want to give love and receive love. And so these energies are deeply some of the most motivating. Since Satan knows that sometimes you can't stop a train, maybe you can only twist the tracks to get it to crash. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that he's done is he's offered a lot of inaccurate recipes for how to get these feelings. Okay. He's offered lots of movies and books and TV shows. And so for some time now, we've been working with the definition of pornography involving people who don't have clothes on, but I would like to expand the definition of pornography to any media or conversation that promotes an inaccurate approach to relationships. Mm. Okay. Anything that contributes to the distortion of what is really necessary to build healthy connection and growth with people. Mm. And so I've seen an equal, no, equal number, equally devastating vision of impatience that in a woman's mind over what it should take to fix things. And as I explored, I find that, well, the guy in the movie was able to figure out what was wrong and fix it within two hours. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. He was able to identify my feelings. He was able to be empathetic and understanding. He was able to build trust. And we lived happily ever after all in two hours. We make fun of the, or we have feelings about these men who can get a woman to take her clothes off in a pornography film within 20 minutes. Okay. And everybody knows that's ridiculous. Okay. That's just silly. But all of these things, one of the most common things they do is they represent extremely fast and inaccurate dynamics in human relationships and pretty much always the wrong recipe anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's as if you wanted to bake this amazing cake or beautiful casserole and someone gave you one fourth of the ingredients with one fourth of the amount necessary and you put it in the oven for one fourth of the amount of time that it really needs. And you wonder why it didn't work. (laughs) The first time I tried to make cupcakes though. (laughs) You know what? We're short on eggs and flour. Let's just throw in what we got and see what comes out. And by golly, I want those cupcakes sooner than later. And so we're going to go with six minutes instead of 24. And we're going to enjoy our cupcakes. Yeah. Okay. This is extremely common in marriage therapy. This is extremely common in individual therapy. I'm spending most of my time correcting recipes. Whether it's the length of time it's supposed to cook, whether it's more of this and less of that. Mm. And one of the common and popular ingredients that is being portrayed in recovery of either marriage devastation or addiction recovery is, and someone else will be there for you. And someone else will be there for you. And you need someone else to be there for you. Who's your support system? Who are you going to call? Who's going to be there for you? I've been challenged by many 
philosophers of psychology that I don't have a built-in, well, who is their support person? Who should they call? Mm -hmm. Why don't you teach them to call somebody? That's a very common criticism I get with my work. Why don't you tell them to call their mother? Why don't you tell them to call their spouse? Why don't you tell them to call their bishop? You don't, your flagpole concept doesn't seem to include calling a person. I said, well, in my experience, persons are exactly what Christ said they would be. Do not rely upon the arm of flesh. Persons are frequently less available than we hope. And so we reach for them in times of need and they're puking their guts out over a toilet, okay? Or they have a migraine or they are drowning themselves or they're laying in a hospital bed with their own three degree burns. And you're reaching for them and you say, and you even cite books that say, when I'm having a bad day, this book says to reach for you. Mm. Now imagine that someone runs into the hospital while you're laying there with all your three degree burns wrapped in bandages. And someone says, I'm supposed to reach for you when I'm having a bad day. And you're supposed to make me a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And I'm, <laughs> does anyone see anything wrong with this plan? Yeah. Well, if you can't make a sandwich for me, I'm going to have to go run my face into a brick wall because you're supposed to stop me from doing so. So, okay. Okay. What about the whole thought of whoever the person you're calling has to be in a really healthy place, a very trusted someone? I love that idea and I fantasize about its existence because mm-hmm. <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome if yeah. the person on your list is always in a great place. I've warned my clients, you know, ethically speaking, I'm not supposed to say hi to you in a public place. Okay. I'm just not supposed to say, hi, I'm your therapist and you're my client to embarrass you in front of other people or make it awkward. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I warn them, one of the reasons is because I'm probably not in a good place out in public. And I prepare myself to be of good mind in therapy. But if I've just finished eating sauerkraut and a, a grizzly bear just bit my leg. And if it rained on my hair and I walk into the grocery store and you say hi and I'm all. Row. <laughs> I know it doesn't seem like someone like me would ever have a bad day, (laughs) let alone a bad hair day. Yeah. Okay. But there is a chance I could be less edifying than I might be in my office. Right. And how traumatizing that might be for someone who I've been very nice and uplifting with for months. And then we run to the store and I turn around and what? They're like, (laughs) You've been faking it the whole time. You've always hated me and been irritated by me. That's not good. Yeah. Okay. And so I adore and I respect all humans who hope to be there for others all the time, 24 Mm seven. I personally can't comprehend it because I've never been able to do it. So that's why I'm fine. If someone has a short list, Mm call this person this person this person but you better have a backup plan but i myself have decided maybe god is as good at living up to his promises as he says he is Mm -hmm. 
He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, I respect anyone who's new to the concept to struggle for a little while over how that works and what it means. But I challenge you to address it directly, like, dear God, how does this work? Mm -hmm. Dear God, what does this mean? I love quoting scripture to God and confronting him on it in an edifying way. This verse right here says, blah, blah, blah. Come unto me, all your labor and labor, and I will give you rest. I especially like James chapter one, verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him come unto me. And I'm all, here I am. I'm right here. I lack wisdom. I'm here. Go ahead and <laughs> dump it on my head in a big old bucket. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Just dump all that wisdom on me because I like being wise. It's my favorite thing. Okay. But sometimes he's out. But I've learned how he works with that. I learned what it means for him to be there for me because sometimes he just puts a hand on my shoulder and says, take a deep breath. It's okay for you not to know everything right now. I'm working on something behind the scenes and you don't get to know everything today. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal, but what a great approach to, to know that it's okay when you don't know to just really be direct about it instead of, mm -hmm. well, I think the best nice church person approach to do this is to just, you know, I don't know, just kind of go around this soft approach. But I do think that's a really awesome thing. Just what is it that you don't understand and be super obvious about it? Well, in my conversations with him, I just, I started approaching it with, uh, I'm assuming he's a smart person. Like he knows what I don't know. He knows when I'm uh, an apprentice. When you think about a blacksmith mentor apprentice relationship, a skilled blacksmith knows he's giving you assignments that are out of your range. Mm -hmm. And he knows when he says, you know, what do you think? And what do you want to, what do you, what do you want to do with this piece of metal? What do you want to, what do you think we should make out of this? Okay. And you're like, I don't know. He says, well, think of something and then come back to me. Like, but what am I supposed to make? He's all, I don't care what you make, but you, but I'm supposed to make what, what I would make. Quite often there isn't a supposed to make anything, but when I come to him and I say, I think I want to make a horseshoe. So great. Let's make a horseshoe. Okay. And then he says, what do you think you should do first? I'm all, I thought you were going to tell me everything. He's all, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to cut it into a horseshoe shape. He's all, great. How do you do that? I'm all, I don't know how to do that. He's all, well, there's, you could cut it with a, a torch. You can cut it with a blade. You can cut it with this. Well, I don't know how to use the torch. How to use the torch. So, and then if I do it wrong, and I show him, this doesn't look right. He's all, that's right. That does not look right. <laughs> and here. I'm all, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You're going to fire me now and send me back to the slums. And I'm not going to have any friends. He's all, dude, this is an apprentice mentor relationship. Mm. So when should I come to you and ask questions? When should I not? He says, well, come to me if you have a question. I'll, sometimes I'll say, mm. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? This is totally addressed in this week's Come Follow Me when God sends all these men out to go on missions and they all want to know the details of well how should we get there you know and he just says it matters not to me you can go on a horse you can walk if you like to walk you can just make that look like you want it to look but it, it's kind of important that 
I don't have to tell you all things. Like, decide what you like best and travel that way. So to bring these ideas together, when a person is trying to recover from a pattern of misbehavior, and they have this like longing, this, this thing that was kind of taking the place of what they were longing for. But any pornography user will tell you, anybody who seeks to repair their marriage using codependent techniques, they will tell you it doesn't work and it's unfulfilling. But I don't know any better, so I keep doing it. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's unfulfilling, but I keep doing it because I don't know any better. Okay. To buy into the simple concepts of come unto me, all the labor, heavy, labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. This strain that you're having, this stress that you're having, this worry that you're having, this emptiness that you're feeling, as you were just hinting at or referring to, when you go to God and you say, I don't know how you play the role of helping fill this emptiness. How does that work? I don't know the role that you play in fixing anxiety. How does that work? I don't know the role you play in proceeding with a lack of definite answers. And so once you clear, start clarifying your questions, and for me, that took place in writing to pull vague thoughts into more observable thoughts. So when I first started writing letters to God, I didn't know what would happen with respect to the clarity that when you take a vague thought and you write it on a paper and say, I need to know something. So that's what I'm holding in my head. But when I write it on paper, I start to clarify, I need to know, for instance, one of my first ones as a young man, as a missionary was, I need to know how to define a successful or not successful day as a missionary. Mm -hmm the measuring tools I thought I would have at my fingertips were not working in the inner city Detroit. And mm -hmm. so I needed to know how do you measure like good day, not good day, successful day, not successful day. And so I just asked the question, but I didn't know what my question was. I met with a man earlier today who is trying to improve his marriage and he's got some fears right now of his wife going off the deep end when all the evidence from a scientific perspective tells me she's fine, but she is being more liberal than he's used to. Right. And so he has these reactions that are not helping and he's familiar with it. And so he said, why am I acting like this? And I pause him. I says, that's the right question. He's like, what? I says, now slow it down and write it on paper. Why am I acting like this? Okay. Now just look at it for a second and start. And I says, now, as you ponder, pretend no one's going to read what you're about to write next. Because you need to write down something that is self-exposing. And he realized, because I'm afraid my wife isn't going to like me when she's done with her exploring. And no man on this planet wants to say that out loud. I'm afraid my wife won't like me. What am I, in third grade or something like that? Okay. And so he was embarrassed. Yeah. But now he could look at it and it was no longer just running around in his head. He could just look at it and go, wait a minute. There's something wrong with that sentence. Yeah. 
And so a lot of these things that pull us off track are vaguenesses that are in the mist of darkness that are the subtleties of the serpent. And by shedding light on them and just saying, okay, what is going on here? If I was to put my feelings into words on paper, if I was to put my thoughts into words on paper, okay, then you can, most people who've been studying gospel principles for a while, whether it is the scriptures or conference talks, this is why you have to have them in your head a lot. You'll start to see opposites pop up. Like, how come my wife isn't always there for me? As they're thinking about that, I go, do not rely upon the arm of flesh. No, no, really. How come my wife's not there for me? No, do not rely. Okay, you keep saying, do not. That can't be the right. No, that can't be the right verse. Because you're supposed to cling unto your spouse. Like, you know, like a sock on your dress going to church. Yeah. (laughs) Or like a child wiping their nose on your dress on the way into church. (laughs) (laughs) The sock is better because the other one just dries and stays there. We'll clean that next month. We'll get that off next month after they're done teething or so whatever. So the main theme I want to emphasize here is please watch out for the media's impact on teaching us how to reach for things that resolve our angst, our pain, etc. When I investigate, how did people come to the wrong conclusion? Why do they not? reach for God? Why do they not reach for that depth of substance? Movies, television, books, pornography, the common denominator in all these is a misrepresentation of healthy relationships, how the substance of the relationship should have a great deal of its thickness, its rebar Mm. in God, in the connection with God, and then building stuff around it with your human relations. But in my experience, any individual who is relying too much on their parents to be there for them, their wife to be there for them, their husband to be there for them, is going to be like the person who builds their house upon the sand. You know, the the rains came down and the sun came up and the blah, blah, blah. The the house was there if it was built upon the rock. Mm -hmm. But if it was built upon a human, you're going to be disappointed. I get the question all the time in marriage therapy. How do I avoid getting disappointed? Well, if you don't build your hopes on a human, so I just supposed to let them not fulfill my expectations. Mm. (laughs) And that is hard, especially if you do have expectations. And I think we all do, right? Yeah. And all of us want to connect so badly, like you mentioned. So, well, I, f- I found a problem in English vocabulary with the word expectations. This takes us full circle back into, there's a word called hope that is often confused with the word expectations. Yeah. Okay. When you have celestial orientation, your hopes can be so high for a healthy interaction with another person. Another couple I met with earlier today, they love each other so much. And 20-something years ago, when they're newlyweds, all of their intimacies came natural. Yeah. They just swam around in each other's intimacies, like deep sea swimming, and they just were snorkeling all day long in each other's love. Okay. Mm -hmm. 20 years later, they had all these complexities with children and money and stuff like that. 
that they really struggle with building the relationship dynamic in an appropriate, healthy way, in a structured way, so that it comes on purpose and intentional. Mm. Okay. And so if the hope is that it'll all just come together on its own, the feelings will get fixed on its own. It'll just happen on its own. Okay. We have to build it through correct principles. They have this celestial orientation without the structure in their relationship to build up to the hopes being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so what happens in their brains is they get these expectations that the other person will be on the same page with them and that they will just naturally know what to do next. And there's an empty spot. So you will fill it. There's this and that coordination of energy investment. Mm -hmm. And so they're missing each other all the time. And so expectations are often disappointment with expectations is when you try to run a play, but you didn't tell the other person and then you throw the ball and you're surprised they're not there. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was just hoping you would know where I wanted you to be without calling a play. Mm -hmm. All right. And so in my experience, expectations often come from when you thought you told the other person that you wanted them to be in a certain place at a certain time, and then they weren't there. Yeah. Okay. Instead of hoping, when we hope to meet a friend at the mall, we're not mad at them if they don't show up. If mm -hmm. we expect to meet a friend at the mall, we are hurt and offended if they don't show up. Okay. And so when you separate the two, if we can keep our expectations down to hopes, because what if on the way this couple who likes to spend time together in private settings, okay, they have children and lo and behold, sometimes a baby runs in the room and throws up on the mattress while you're trying to have some closeness. Yeah. Okay. And that can be disruptive, shall we say? Yeah. Okay. Or a 14 year old walks in and says, I need a ride to driving lessons class. What are you guys doing right now? Okay. And you're like, awkward moment. Okay. And so the human hopes can be interrupted. And as we can keep it in the position of hope, it won't become an unfulfilled expectation. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Maurice. Okay. It's a pleasure spending time with you. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Thanks everybody for being here. So appreciate that. If you have any questions, you can email us at like dragons podcast at lifechangingservices.org. Thanks for joining today. Thank you for listening. As you can see, we are very enlisted in what we have learned and hope to teach. If you have found today's message inspiring, please share this podcast with family and friends so others can enjoy and be edified along with us. Be sure to download the free book that holds all the core principles behind what we teach. This book is called Like Dragons Did They Fight. You will find a link for that free download at Like Dragons Free. And remember, you can find all the life-changing resources, programs, and trainings needed for you and your family at lifechangingservices.org.